The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the Week 9 College Football Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. It's been rough without college football the past two nights, and uh, but that's about to change. We have college football tonight. We're recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow, yep. Saturday, and then action which is coming next week. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, what's going on, Colin? I got the chance to read through as many college basketball teams as possible. Returning starters made notes of all that and sent some, uh, sent some notes to some friends in Vegas to go hit a couple numbers. So you and I will be completely prepared to talk some hoops. But I think really as a gambler, that's what you got to do when you have an off night. I mean, you're either spending time with your family or you start doing some studying for another sport. You, know, you either recharge your batteries or get ready for something else. But that's how I spent the off night. Well, I spent it doing my NFL podcast, and then I spent eight and a half hours working on my Mac manifesto, which I'm halfway <laughs> through. It's going to be like 8,000 words on every team in the Mac. Try to dig dig into which players are eligible, who's sitting, who's starting quarterbacks, what the NCAA is approved. It's just a disaster. But are, are, we calling, are we calling Nathan Rourke's brother Baby Rourke? Is that what we're going to call him, Baby Rourke? Baby Rourke, Kid Rourke, uh, Little Rourke. <laughs> I still don't know if he's starting or Armani Rogers. I don't know if David Moore's gotten the weight. We'll get into all that. We'll talk about that on the recap episode that we record something that's out on Monday morning, which will include your voicemails. We'll talk about the NFL and college football weekends that were. Don't forget about the voicemails this weekend. You guys have been great. Monday, I'll also give away some prizes for reviews you guys left. Hopefully, we can hit another round robin money line underdog parlay this week, but we have business to get to. So let's, before we get into some of the marquee games of the weekend, it's not the the greatest college football card uh, I've ever seen that you know next weekend is going to be a lot of fun but it's a betting college football weekend that's all we care about there's games on the board so but before we get to some of the marquee games uh let's let's do a little segment we like to do around here called look ahead or look away hangovers sleepers and the dreaded sandwich spot is it time to look ahead or look away. Uh, this looks at some of the best potential situational spots on the board. Ultimately, it comes down to our number and the value in the number. Uh, but at times, you might be able, especially in college, when you're dealing with college kids, you might be able to catch a team looking ahead to a big game the following week, or you know they come out flat after a big win the week prior, or you have. Uh, Best of both worlds in a classic sandwich spot. 
We sure have a lot of sandwiches. 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 Where a team is coming off a big win with a big game on deck. So let's start there with one of those sandwiches. You have Indiana coming off that enormous win. Something that, what were they, first top 10 win in like 14 trillion decades? Something that they've been dying to get. So obviously Indiana comes off that emotional win against Penn State. Luckily, they called that a touchdown for all of us. And now they go to Rutgers. You know, it's like, ugh, and you're going to go to uh, Fiscataway and play Rutgers, who did win, who's 1-0, by the way. College football is getting weird. Played pretty well against Michigan State. I What I'm going to ask you about is, well, well, I have two questions for you, because Indiana also has Michigan on deck. So my two questions to you are, do you expect a letdown here, or is there some value in fading Indiana? And number two, which I'm trying to figure out, was that result in Rutgers, Michigan State, maybe the answer is both, but was it more about the ineptitude of Michigan State's program right now, or maybe more promise than we thought with Rutgers? So what do you think about this game? I think the answer is both, but I think what Rutgers is going through right now is where all the coaches – the players, the assistants, the trainers, everybody has the same vision and they have the same goal. And when a team's all on the same page, you're going to get results. I mean, we see that with Georgia Tech playing better football than they were. Uh, You see teams like Arkansas playing better football than they were. I think Rutgers is definitely on that path. But, hey, everybody, I'm glad Big Ten football is back, but it's not like Rutgers is going to, you know, challenge for the the East or anything here or give us a scare. Now, the number has been – Every time this number keeps dipping down around 10 and a half, it keeps getting eaten up by Indiana backers. Uh, But let's take a look at the box score for both of these because both of them deserve, both Indiana and Rutgers deserve to have a little bit of inspection about what happened in week one. Rutgers benefited from seven turnovers. They only had one explosive drive out of 15 possessions. The only success rate that Rutgers had that was above national average, if you look at them all, run, pass, standard downs, passing downs, the only success rate that they had really was national that, that met the national average was passing downs. They averaged 2.6 yards per rush. That isn't great. Now, on the Indiana side, it's the same thing with their box score against Penn State. I mean, a game really that they should have lost, but you know, Indiana had just one pass over 20 yards, no runs over 20 yards against the Penn State defense. And, you know, they both considerably go up against easier defenses this week. I think the one thing that people didn't expect is that Indiana ran 19 seconds per play. That's the fastest in the country. Indiana is now your new speed demon. Uh, Both teams did really well in scoring position past the 40-yard line. They both rank in the top 13. So like I said, arguably easier defenses this week. I kind of like the over. I I think Indiana may sleep through the first half after that win last week. I think Rutgers is just pounding Popeye's spinach and flexing their muscles. I think Rutgers is going to come out with their hair on fire here. But I like Indiana if we can get it down to 10. It seems to get snapped up. I think that's just too much value on a Hoosiers team that should really be about two touchdown favorites. Yeah, I mean, that box score is scary. I don't know how we got Indiana to win. I mean, Penn State had 500 yards of offense and Indiana had 211. I thought Penix looked a lot worse than I expected him to against the Penn State secondary that isn't supposed to be elite by any stretch. So, yeah, I, I pulled up that box score on Sunday and I was like, wait, we hit – I hit Indiana money line. <laughs> uh, that was a fortunate one. As of right now, I don't have anything in Rutgers, Indiana. I'll have to dig more. I'm just trying to figure out how much of last week was right. about Rutgers and how much do I drop Michigan State. It's a difficult one for me. Well, um, you, and I are all, you and I are always trying to find ceiling and floors, and we don't know what the ceiling is for Rutgers yet. I think we may find out this weekend. 
Let's move on to another pretty decent spot here, and that's Georgia Tech, basically right around a 20-point underdog at BetMGM at home against Notre Dame, the 5-0, and number four-ranked Notre Dame fight now. It's over under 57.5. Here's the thing. Notre Dame, I've took some Georgia Tech plus 20.5. This is one of the – I'll give a plug, a selfish plug for the action that we're at – Kyle and I have been just staring at screens and markets like every single minute of our lives. It's all I do my entire life for like 20 years. Like you can get a feel for where mar- where odds, where lines are going to go. You can you talk to other people, see what other people are on. You just have a feel for it. So I, this line's been sitting like 20, 20 half. So I, I say to myself, obviously I would love to have 21, but I also don't want to risk it going to 19 and a half, 19. It's one of those dilemmas that you deal with during the week. So one of the great things about the Action Network app is, you know, if you're an Edge subscriber, you can have it'll it'll give you signals saying like eighty percent, eighty percent chance this line is going to go to nineteen. So everything out there I was seeing and hearing, I didn't think it was going to get the twenty-one. Maybe it does. Maybe there's game day steam, which does happen sometimes, and I'm wrong, and then I'll just add a little bit. But I took some twenty-half. I make it eighteen, and the spot is gorgeous. There's nothing I just love about Georgia Tech's matchup here. But Notre Dame's coming off that bludgeoning of Pitt. I don't know what Pitt was doing in that game. What was Narduzzi doing at the end of the half? I, don't, I have no idea. Notre Dame won 45-3. Well, guess who they have on deck? They have Clemson in their game of the year. So, you know, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, you might spend a little less time preparing for Georgia Tech this week and start preparing for Clemson on the coach's perspective. That means you might pull starters a little sooner, not risking injury, not wanting to show as much. That also means you might come out a little flat if you're Notre Dame. And you might, you know, you have this big game on deck. You're going down to a Georgia Tech team that just got blown out, you know, lost by 70 to Clemson, Uh, you know, lost, got blown out by BC, although it was a misleading box score because of three turnovers. So this is a good spot to buy Georgia Tech low. I know that you make the line higher, but it's just an awful spot for Notre Dame here. Multiple things that can happen. There could be a back door because Notre Dame sits. They could come out flat. And uh, I'm sure Georgia Tech will be up for this game after some disappointing efforts, and now they get a top-five team at home. Uh, Thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I make it 22, so it's not really that far off from where it is, and you got to consider the spot here. You're exactly right. Notre Dame's biggest game of the year. Going to determine, you know, if they're going to get into the college football playoff pretty much is pending on next week's game against Clemson. And, you know, so it's, it's a perfect spot for Georgia Tech, a team that has been up-tempo all season. They're now 5-1 and one to the over after you and I predicted, you know, that, that the Yellow Jackets were now going to be wanting to, up, to go up-tempo and, and have Sims just sling it as fast as he can. And, and, and you know, right now they're ranking 26th uh, in pace. And I don't think that necessarily translates in this game because of what Notre Dame wants to do. So look at what Notre Dame has done against Pitt. 50 rushes, 33 passes. Louisville, 19 passes, 49 rush. FSU, I mean, real heavy rush, 42 to 25. This total is sitting at 57, which is exactly where we put it in the pace report earlier this week. Uh, But the problem is, is, you know, the offensive coordinator, Tommy Rees, if he has anything up his sleeve for Clemson, he's not going to show it here. If he has anything in the passing game that Ian Book hasn't shown yet, he's not going to show it here. Uh, This extreme, like, 67% 67% of rush rate uh, by the Irish. I think that continues. So the question is with the over-under, you know, if it's going to run all game, can you get over that now? 
you know, Georgia Tech can cover if they, you know, expose the rush explosiveness defense of Notre Dame. You know, if you're not paying attention, the Notre Dame D is fantastic in rushing success rate. They're fifth. And I mean, they get teams off the field, no first downs or anything, but they have given up explosive runs. And, you know, that's something Georgia Tech can do, especially if Sims gets outside of the pocket. I think the under hits of if Georgia, you know, and Georgia Tech, which they're not an under team, uh, but if Notre Dame can stop them from having explosive plays, the game will definitely go under. I would take Georgia Tech at 21. I would take the over if it dipped at 56 and a half. I think, I think Notre Dame is going to get caught sleeping here. I don't think they're going to expose anything in the playbook. I think that they just want to put some kid gloves on, keep Georgia – Notre Dame wants to keep Georgia Tech at just an arm length distance, maybe 10 points, you know, have a lead, have a cushion lead, and just go completely vanilla here. So I, I think it's a good choice to take in Georgia Tech. Yeah, I completely agree. It'll be really interesting to see. We'll talk about this next week for that Notre Dame-Clemson game. If this was pre-planned, you know, they they knew that they could win their first few games leading up to Clemson. So are they going 60%, 70% rush? And obviously there's been some blowouts that contributed to that, but then just not really showing anything so that they can save everything in the passing game for Clemson without showing them anything. It's an interesting thought. I, I think it would be smart strategically. All right, let's move on to another spot that I do like. Um, we have at BetMGM right now, Kansas State, who's undefeated in the Big 12, number 16 in the country. They're at 4-1. and one. Right now at BetMGM, there are three-and-a-half-point underdogs at West Virginia. West Virginia is 3-2 and two in the season, coming off a disappointing loss at Texas Tech. Pretty even box score. It was a game I had Texas Tech in. Kansas State, meanwhile, is coming off that debacle against Kansas when they scored like 40. It had to be an NCAA record for the most points directly or indirectly scored from special teams. So Kansas State's coming off that game. But they have Oklahoma on deck, which is a huge game for them and for their Big 12 championship hopes. West Virginia, I like some of the things I've seen from Daggy at quarterback. uh, And their defense is just playing really well. I've talked about the Stills brothers on that defensive line. I think Kansas State's – this is as high as they're going to be. And I think this is a good spot to get West Virginia at home against a Kansas State team that might potentially be peaking ahead to next week against Oklahoma. Unfortunately, I just at three and a half, four, just not that much value for me. But I did put West Virginia in a money line parlay. I threw them in with Nevada fading UNLV. I did a money line parlay. It's like minus 115, minus 110. So I do like well, – I, I think West Virginia wins this game. And uh, what say you? Yeah, I love West Virginia this week. They're definitely going to be in the Moneyline Round Robin parlay. Uh, but it's just – for me, it's so much more than spot. There's so much in the analytics here with these two teams that say that you have to play on West Virginia. Kansas State lives on explosive plays. Uh, West Virginia's defense, they're 15th against rush explosiveness. They're fifth against pass explosiveness. Deuce Vaughn – for Kansas State has just been juking out everybody in college football. But in 544 combined snaps, safeties Alonzo Adai and Sean Mahone have a combined two missed tackles. Two missed tackles in 544 combined snaps. You're just these, – these guys don't miss tackles whatsoever, and that's such a huge key. When you take on somebody like Deuce Vaughn, a Travis Etienne, you get these guys that could just – you know, nobody can catch them. You need a defense that doesn't miss tackles, and that's what we get with the Mountaineers. Mountaineers, they're, you know, allowing just 2.3 points per trip inside the 40. So if K-State can sustain a drive, which I don't think they can, uh, they're 96th in success rate on on the rush and 85th in pass. They don't move the chains. 
They're just an explosive offense. That's all. That's how they get all their scoring in. But, you know, West Virginia, they have just been shutting people down that have been getting close to the goal line. You know, I, I, West Virginia, they should stop everything at the line of scrimmage if you go and, and cross-check the line yards, the power success, the stuff, right? I mean, Will Howard's been great after the Skylar Thompson injury, but, you know, I, I project this number to go a little bit over. Uh, West Virginia did throw it 50 times against Texas Tech. Uh, they're 35th in passing success rate. Um, you know, their finishing drives is a little bit of a problem, but they can do enough in the passing game. You don't ask them to go deep. Just ask them to sit there and throw, you know, zero to 10 yards and they'll get something done. Uh, but, uh, you know, I like West Virginia in this game absolutely by far. And I'm telling you, the missed tackles, I mean, the spot is great, but man, this, this West Virginia team, they don't miss tackles. Not like a Virginia Tech where they just let everybody go by or, you know, you just arm tackles and everything. This West Virginia team can really get on them. I agree. Country roads take me on to the place I belong, West Virginia. All right. The two other spots I wanted to get to are in the SEC. We have the world's largest non-fan attending, maybe because it's in Florida, cocktail party next week between Georgia and Florida. So the next week is awesome in college football. But both teams got to get there first. Look, I have Florida SEC futures. I thought their defense would be a little better than it's been. Um, and they're still alive because if they win this week against Missouri and then they beat Georgia next week, then they're, all of a sudden they're in first place in the SEC East. And they're on the fast track to go face Bama um, in the SEC championship where they would lose. And hopefully I'd be able to hedge out. But that's another story. Maybe Kyle Pitts can have 30 touchdowns. But before that, um, this week, Georgia, both teams are between our double-digit favorites. You have Georgia going to Kentucky. At BetMGM right now, Georgia is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 42-and-a-half. Things been coming down. No real wind concerns in Lexington this weekend. It should be clear, about 50 degrees. There are quarterback concerns with – Kentucky, I believe Wilson is out. And uh, we have another Auburn quarterback, Joey Gatewood, that should get the start. But Georgia's laying 14F juice. It's up to 16F, 17. Big number for a total that's 42.5 on the road. But, I mean, the Kentucky offense, uh, you can't really run against Georgia. Uh, Kentucky can't throw it. I don't know how Kentucky's going to score. And then you have a really interesting game in Florida – Hosting Missouri at BetMGM right now. Florida's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 61-and-a-half. The really interesting thing about this game is Florida hasn't played in forever. I mean, the last game that Florida played was on October 10th. You know, it's going to be about over 20 days since their last game when they kick off here in Gainesville. I don't even know if they're going to have fans. Are they still filling up the stadium? They were supposed to do that last time. It changes every hour. They had like over 30 guys test positive, and they're back at practicing now, but it's really hard to get a read on it. All right, so is everyone going to suit up, number one? You know, how much are they going to fall out of rhythm being off 20 days? Meanwhile, you're playing a Missouri team that has won two straight. You know, they've, they beat LSU back on October 10th. They came out last week and then beat Kentucky by 10. And – you know, I like kind of like the way that Bays looks playing, the freshman quarterback, and they use a lot of you know they'll spread you out, lose a lot of crossers and slants, and you. I think that they can maybe move the ball in Florida. I mean, Florida's defense has just been so bad, but their defensive backs and giving a lot of cushion. It's just a weird game to kind of get a feel on where Florida is going to be, and then you also have 
the look-ahead component to Georgia next week. But maybe they're just itching to get out there. So any thoughts on potentially fading either one or both of these uh, double-digit SEC dogs that have uh, a big SEC East matchup on deck next week? Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, Kentucky's the side at 17. I mean, it's a game I make 15. It's a little bit too high. Uh, you know, Kentucky's been great against explosiveness on defense, at least. Uh, you know, I mean, they're not – they don't have a terrible defense. I'd say that's the one thing that's been supporting the team. I mean, they're 10th against rushing EPA and third against passing EPA, so no one's getting huge yards. But that's not really Georgia's offense. You know, Georgia's offense is uh, really struggling to find rush explosiveness. Haven't been too good with pass explosiveness either. Both stats, I mean, it's like rush explosiveness is 93rd. I mean, they, they can't get an explosive run for their life. Uh, but, you know, I think the question, you know, Joe, we're going to see Joey Gatewood. We've been waiting for this for a long time because he lost the Joey job. Joey Gatewood season in full effect. <laughs> he lost the job to Bo Nix by like a hair. They're razor thin. And then immediately Joey Gatewood is on his way to Kentucky. So with Joey Gatewood at the, you know, taking snaps, that means to me less passing. Now, Terry Wilson, you know, is at least passing the ball and getting himself in trouble in certain spots. But I don't think they're going to come out with Joey Gatewood throwing the ball uh, against this defense. So, uh, you know, and there is a stuff rate and power success rate advantage for Kentucky on offense here if you look a little bit closer at the numbers. I mean, Georgia's defensive line is 86 in power success. They're 80th in stuff rate per football outsiders. So, I mean, uh, Kentucky's going to be able to move the line of scrimmage. But I can understand why this total is coming down. I don't think Kentucky's going to pass the ball at all. Now let's ask. How vanilla is Todd Munkin going to go on the, on the Georgia offense? You know, and, and he's having problems scoring points down in the red zone. And they got rid of Jim Chaney, and he's over at Tennessee now. I mean, basically, Jim Chaney got rid of Jim Chaney, but they said, hey, you know, you're not scoring any points for us in the red zone. Kirby needs somebody to get that done, you know, for offensive coordinator. Well, now here we are at Georgia. They're 64th in finishing drives. They're just not getting a lot of points up on the board. And, you know, they're having problems in the trench. Their power success rate, you know, not very good. They're 88th in the country. Uh, 64th and finishing drive. So, you know, I, I think Georgia's going to go all vanilla here. I don't think you're going to see anything that they're going to play next week. Project the total at 48. That's really kind of out the window because there might not be any passing on either side. I think at 41 and a half, maybe you want to think about taking it over. But, I mean, as this total keeps going down and that number stays stable at 17, Kentucky's value in, in, that, in that 17 just goes up and up and up with the total going down. So, I, I don't know if you can stomach it, but that's the side there. My only fear is the game ends like last year. I mean, there was rain last year, so it's a little different. But it was scoreless at the half in this game in, in Athens. And then Georgia won 21-0. And Kentucky had Lynn Bowden for that game, who ran for 100 yards. So it was the, that was the only thing they did. Lynn Bowden, by the way, finished the game 2 of 15 passing for 17 yards. That was Kentucky's passing attack on the day. And all other backs for Kentucky had 18 carries for 60 yards. So they did nothing, and now they don't have Bowden. So I, I just don't know how Kentucky's really going to score. I mean, I don't, I don't see either. any – from a numbers perspective, I don't I don't see any value in the under. But um, my brain just says this game is going to be like 17-6. Yeah, but, I mean, if the game went to overtime, uh, a total of 41.5 could still go over if it's 0-0. I mean, it's <laughs> – 42 – 42 and a half. I mean, yeah, there's just not a lot of wiggle room at all taken under here. So the values in the Kentucky number by far, as far as Florida and Missouri goes, the, the play was on Mizzou because Florida has been off for three weeks. Uh, but you know, that the number is just completely deflated. It's something I would expect to be 17 and a half or 18. 
you know, is out hanging out around in a dead number area around 12. Uh, the big question is, is can Florida get stops? They can't get any stops. They're 99th in opponent third down conversion percentage. Uh, Todd Grantham is just I, – I don't know where he is. There's 101 teams, right, that have played. There's 101 teams, and Todd Grantham's like needs his face on the back of a milk carton because his defense is 99th at opponent third down conversion percentage. That's bad. I mean, Connor Bays looks 30, uh, leading a, a passing attack for Missouri that's 39th. He's 48th in explosive mm-hmm. passing. So, I mean, they're going to be able to get something done there. Missouri has a, a guard to tackle, uh, Case Cook and Larry Borm. They're two of the best in the SEC in loud pressure. So I just I think Missouri's going to have all the time in the world. I think Basilek's going to have all the time in the world to throw. Uh, you know, Florida's all pass. Missouri's defense is 92nd in pass explosiveness. There's just no havoc in this game. I think there should be some rust on Florida after three weeks of play. Uh, we don't know what's going on with the COVID and recovery from that. So I think in-game is the way to go with Florida. It's already at a huge discount. If Missouri comes out and puts a touchdown up, you're going to get Florida like below seven. So it's already at a monster discount. I say if you want to play the Gators – you know, play it live, especially with this three-week layoff. We don't know what the recovery from COVID is. I don't think there's any value in Missouri. I do like the over. Yeah, I don't hate the live angle because we. I guess we also don't know 100% with 100% certainty that everyone is definitely available for Florida too, right? Right, right. So that's another thing that you'll be able to tell. And it doesn't matter how much rust you have. You can just throw it to Kyle Pitts and score whatever you want. Uh, before we get to the marquee games, I did just want to remind everyone of – the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions. Tournament, tournament, tournament. That's why my wife always makes fun of me. Presented by BetMGM. It's now live. It's a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament specifically for you guys, our podcast listeners. And you can join simply by clicking on the link in our episode description. Top 10 weekly finishers receive over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes. And the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale. Well, you'll compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two, valued at over $5,000, courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. So, again, you could join this free tournament every week. You can do it this week and not next week or do it every week um, of the NFL regular season. Just click on the link in our episode description. All right, let's get to the marquee games of the weekend. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week nine. Let's start in the SEC. It's not at the greatest weekend in the SEC. We only have one game that has a single-digit spread, and that's LSU minus 2.5, minus 115 at MGM at Auburn, over under 64.5. Where's my Bo Nix season guy in full effect? We're back. Here we go. Bo Nix season in full effect. Look, I've been shitting on Auburn. I make this line. I think Auburn minus one or a pick somewhere in that ballpark. So I took the plus three. Look, LSU's coming off. Miles Brennan is, has been ruled out of this game. And LSU's coming off their most impressive performance of the season with – uh, their new quarterback, Finley, you know, he was 17 to 21, 265 yards, two touchdowns and a pick and a bunch of explosive plays. Um, LSU also had a lot of success running the ball against South Carolina, but the defense is still bad. They still gave up 400 yards uh, to South Carolina. This defense can't defend the SLC defense can't defend the run. They can't defend the pass. I've just downgraded them so much more than I think the market has because from what I've seen that, 
I see value on an Auburn team that I've been downgrading so much because they really could be 0-5. But I think Auburn should be able to move the ball here. Everyone can move the ball. I love Tank Bigsby, by the way. He's going to be a star uh, at running back. It'll be a great matchup on the outside with Seth Williams and uh, Stingley. Bo Nix has to be a little better. Just has to be. But it's Bo Nix season. It's in full effect. Bo Nix season in full effect. Really, this is a number play for me. I'm getting Auburn plus three at home. Maybe there's just still a little little national championship luster out there still in LSU that came back after that dominant win last week. Uh, I can't not take plus three with Auburn at home. War Eagle, we should be 0-5, but let's get to 4-2, and two, baby. <laughs> Bo Nick season. And then full effect. I think you and I are going to be on opposite sides. I have not – Laid wow. any money on this as of yet, but I think I'm going to go LSU. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, wow. freshman freshman TJ Finley and all six foot six, two hundred fifty pounds of him is going to be under center here with Miles Brennan likely out. The LSU pass attack, twenty six in success rate, thirtieth in explosiveness. The offensive line has actually been pretty great. I mean, in havoc allowed, they're third in the country. The real problem on this LSU team has been the defense, and we knew that. The, you know, Bo Pelini was asked to simplify the defense. Don't make it so uh, so complex. Just let the athletes do the work. Bo Pelini season in full effect. So I did a deep dive on the LSU defense. I wanted to see if there was a you know noticeable change in missed tackles and stops. Stops being defined by PFF as an offensive failure. So when you look at that, missed tackles went from 18% down to 14% from week six to week eight. There was a bye week in there for LSU, right? And, I, and we're talking about the difference between South Carolina in week eight and Missouri in week six. LSU's missed tackle rate went down from 18% to 14%. That's good. What about their stop rate? Their stop rate moved from 25% to 37% from week six to week eight. And we're talking, you know, I mean, that that is a huge, huge upgrade in – getting offensive failures done by South Carolina. Now, we can argue the difference between South Carolina and Missouri's offenses, but there is noticeable improvement in missed tackles and stop rate with LSU. As that defense continues to improve, and Bo Pelini is actually, you know, bringing them along slowly with more blitz packages, or, you know, I think think it's a simplified defense right now. You know, now that they've had a bye week, they've adjusted, I think LSU really is going to be able to play some ball here. Now, with Bo Nix, there was the whole week seven blow up, the three interceptions, the, the fight in the playpen with Seth Williams that Chad Morris had to break up like dad. You know, he had an NFL quarterback rating of 48. Uh, he bounced back against, against Ole Miss. But you know what? Ole Miss is the remedy. They are the medicine for every quarterback that's looking to, you know, pick up their game. Uh, you know, he had an NFL rating of 110. He only had one scramble in the game, no interceptions. So, you know, playing Ole Miss did wonders for – for Bo Nixon, they got a little help from uh, the referees and getting yet another victory. Total you get that every week, baby. How do you not? Uh, you got twelve guys on the field at all times. How do you not back to Auburn here? This this Auburn horseshoe up their ass, and they got the SEC refs. This program, I don't know what it is with them. I don't know what they, they are. They they draw so much of what we love about college football all into one program. The total I project around sixty. Uh, it opened at sixty. It's now up to sixty-five. LSU's D. They, they're still having problems with pass explosiveness. Uh, and LSU's offense is 27th in finishing drive. So there's some reasons there that Auburn may be able to break a play with Seth Williams. 
LSU is going to be able to put points up on the board, more touchdowns and field goals when it's their turn down around the goal line. I, I, I like the over here. I like LSU more. I may be opposite you here. Let's go head-to-head, baby. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Seth Williams is obviously the best receiver, but I'm expecting a, uh, a couple big plays from Anthony Schwartz here. He's got to break out. Uh, but if he doesn't, we got the refs in our back pocket. Yeah, Bo Nick season in full effect. Bo Nick season in full effect. All right, let's move on to our second marquee game of the day. I don't think we're going to be opposite here. And let's head to the Big 12. Uh, at BetMGM, Texas is plus three and a half, minus 125. Thing looks like it's about to come down to three. At Oklahoma State, the 4 0 Pokes, number six in the country. And uh, they're only laying a field goal here at home. We're under 58 and a half. I know that I saw a clip on Twitter of you talking about this game. Um, so I'll let you go and in, dive into it. But I like uh, just my, my high level thoughts. I like some of the things that I've seen from this Texas defense. I don't like some of the things that I've seen with this Oklahoma State offense, particularly up front. You could just rewind or you know, rewind what I said for the Auburn-LSU Auburn, uh, game. I make this game around a pick, and uh, so I took the three and a half. And that's basically what I did just with the three with the Auburn. There are some things trending in the right direction with this Texas defense in particular. So I'm back in the horns here. Hook them. What say you on this matchup? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, when Tom Herman needs this win more than anybody in the country right now, it's just rest. Things are restless in Austin right now. Herman is three and two, uh, but he's only covered one game. And you know, if you've been looking at off-field news and everything, the the loss of Quinn Ewers, uh, his decommitment from the 2022 class. He was the top quarterback in the class, number two overall per 247, uh, 24/7 Sports. So. Uh, you know, he's following the path, Quinn Ewers is, of Tommy Brockermeyer. And you may say, who's Tommy Brockermeyer? Tommy Brockermeyer was an offensive lineman who was playing high school football in the state of Texas. Parents met at Texas. His dad, his granddad, played for Texas. Brockermeyer was committed to Texas the entire time and then switched his recruitment to Alabama. That flies directly in the face of Tom Herman. I mean, if I'm an athletic director and I've got 17-year-olds who have parents that fell in love on the campus in Austin, whose dad and granddad played for the Longhorns in the Southwest Conference, and this kid's decommitting and going to Alabama. I mean, Tom Herman really needs this game, and you could probably expect if they win this game, he'll be fist pumping and and he'll be giving you okay cool and all that shit. So, listen, the question on this game, really the handicap for me comes down to can Joseph Asai get pressure on Spencer Sanders? Spencer Sanders is a much worse quarterback with hands in his face and pressure and blitz than he is when he has a clean pocket. Joseph Asai has 12 hurries, six hits, three sacks so far. Uh, you know, the Oklahoma State offensive line, they're doing their job. Don't don't believe some of the, you know, when you see stats, you go out to like CFB. I know a lot of you guys on Twitter, you ask me like, where do I get the stats? And it's a collection of like two or three different places. And like when you look at Oklahoma State's offensive line and you see sacks on them, that is not a really correct because they've had backup offensive linemen. There has been plenty of time for backup offensive linemen to come in and play. If you look at just the starters, there's been no sacks and only two hurries the entire season when you count the snaps that are only by the five starters on the offensive line. So that's good news for Spencer Sanders, who has you know issues with pressure. But Joseph aside, they've got to get him blocked. If not, Texas is going to win this game. There's a case for the under here. Oklahoma State's third and, and finishing drives defense. 
Texas is, defense is legit. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Texas, uh, Texas isn't getting any love on defense, especially because of that Texas Tech game. Texas yep. is top 30 in finishing drives D. Both Ds trump the offensive explosiveness counterpoint. Both of the defenses are going to be able to shut the other team down. So there's, there's really a play here for the under. The wind in Stillwater still here just a couple miles outside my front door. Wind is expected to be 19 miles an hour. If you don't know anything about T. Boone Piggins, uh, it's all going to blow in one direction. So for two of the quarters, we may have some kicking problems, punting problems. So, you know, I think there's a case for the under here, but I'm with you on the horns. And, and you know, I, I'm so hot and cold on Tom Herman these years. You and I have been doing this podcast, but this is the week I, I hope he's celebrating after the game. This is his rah-rah spot where you expect him to have his team up. I think that you're getting some potential value here in Texas. And this line should come down to three, two and a half. And at that point, I wouldn't play it. I mean, I would, it, I would play it a field goal or higher. Um, while you and I are recording, it actually it actually four, three and a half, three. And while I was sitting here talking, it bounced back up to three and a half. I think there's a tug of war going on. I think there is a group of sharps on four. There's a group of sharps on Oklahoma State three. I hope we get a good number here. But uh, the number's bouncing all over the place. I, I like where this Texas defense is headed. And uh, let's get a big game from Sam Ellinger. Hook him. All right, let's get to the final marquee game of the day. And it's one that lost a little bit of luster after last week when Penn State went down in overtime to Indiana. But it's still a good one on primetime, talking Ohio State at Penn State. This one's going to be weird for me. I mean, I don't really care. There's not been fans. But, like, this is one where it would have been cool just to see the whiteout. Oh, by the way, not to backtrack, but you were mentioning Brockemeyer. Brockemeyer. And it made yeah. me think Brockemeyer. People tell me all the time to watch the show Brockemeyer. A couple people that I trust in shows are like, you have to watch Brock Meyer. And check out The Mandalorian. I know, I know you're so big into sci-fi, right? I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> my wife will kill me if I say that. She's like a Star Wars nerd. I've, nev- I've never seen any of them. Can everybody in the podcast leave a review and say, Stucky, you need to watch a goddamn Mandalorian. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, but uh, let's move on to Saturday night. Ohio State at BetMGM, 11.5-point favorite at Penn State in Happy Valley without fans. It's going to be so weird, no whiteout there. Over under 62-and-a-half. Another game. Look, I come – we've been doing this podcast for four years. I usually have like five or six games that I'll ramble about for 20 minutes because I love this matchup or that matchup, and I'll go – this week it's kind of slim pickings for me. I'm basically playing some numbers on overreactions and spots, and this is one of them. There's nothing I really love about Penn State, but, you know, and they lost Noah Kane after their starting running back last week after they already lost Journey Brown, their starting running back. And you could tell that they missed K.J. Hamler and his explosiveness on offense. You could tell that they missed Michael Parsons, who I think was going to be the best defensive player in all of college football this year, in addition to Gross Matos, who's looked great in the – for the Panthers off the edge and his limited time that he's played this year. He lost some other guys, but this is just what I think uh, an overreaction to last week. 
I make this line nine. I think you actually make it nine on the dot too. We upload our power mm-hmm. ratings to the Action Network, actionnetwork.com and Action Network app. So I think this is, you know, if, you, if I said this line, it should be nine and you give me 12, I'm pretty much going to take it every time. It's a three point difference and it's a, through a key number. Um, and Ohio State's defense is, yeah, it's going to be a work in progress. I mean, they lost all that pro talent. You lose a CUDA and Chase Young. I mean, there's going to be a little bit of a step back. So I think the Nebraska score was a little bit misleading. I mean, you also have Ryan Day. He doesn't have the knee personnel to take the take a knee at the end. The hell is that? Um, but they, they run up the score a little bit. But Nebraska was able to do some things on the ground. Uh, Penn State does have a good offensive line. They do have a really good tight end. The, the Ohio State offense is awesome. But I think after what everyone saw of Ohio State last week, and then they say, hey, look, Penn State loses to Indiana. But we just went over that box score. Penn State outgained them by 300 yards. So, you know, it's the second game of a new offensive coordinator I think we both like for Penn State. So I think it's a good spot to buy the Nittany Lions after last week in how they handled the late-game situation, uh, which was awful but good for us. So uh, give me Penn State at 12. 11 and a half is fine. Anything over 11 to me I would take. And uh, what say you? Yeah, let's get a little nerdy. I, I did a real deep dive on this game. Write-up's going to be on Action Network on Friday if you guys want to go check some of this out. But, you know, I, I really wanted to go deep in here in the in the, in the first game uh, for Penn State and Ohio State and, and really take a good position here. And I, I waited and waited and waited for the 13 and got it. But you know, now now I get to sweat through a James Franklin game with money on the line. But let's talk about how we got here. Noah Kane is out. Running back Noah Kane is out. He really didn't have that huge of an impact uh, against Indiana last week. But, I mean, combined with Journey Brown, Ricky Slade transferred. Uh, we're now down to Devlin Ford. Uh, he had 20 carries and 69 yards. Sean Clifford rushed for over 100 yards. But that's because that was, like, the last option to get the Penn State offense going. Uh, I don't think that's what Kirk Soraka wants to do. I think he wants to turn what he did at Minnesota, kind of do that at Penn State, but we got to find the weapons first for Sean Clifford. You know, Penn State held the ball. I mean, give him credit. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't deduct any points from Penn State. I guess neither – we had the same power rating. I didn't deduct anything from Penn State out of that box score. They held the ball for over 40 minutes on Indiana. When they were down 20-14, to 14, it took them three plays to get a score up on the board. It makes me think that Soraka was holding things back. Pace of play, 79th in the country, not extremely fast. Penn State graded out 13th in PFF for pass blocking. Football Outsiders has their sack rate at 10th on the offensive line. So, you know, with Stuck said, we're losing Chase Young, losing Akuda. There's so much havoc that left this Buckeyes defense. I think that's going to be a major factor here. 53% of the drives Penn State had against Indiana had two-plus first downs. They can drive. They have sustainable drives. That is something you want to put your money behind. Available yards, 52% or, you know, only 8% short of what Alabama does every week here. Ohio State was pushed in the trenches by Nebraska. I think that's one thing. I'm starting to hear it from national writers, from beat writers. Like, Ohio State got pushed around the trenches. They absolutely did. They rank 87th in line yards on football outsiders. Ohio State rush defense graded out 76th on PFF. On the other side of the ball, Ohio State graded out 6th in the passing game, which is pretty good, 8th in pass EPA. But Chris Olave, their, their, you know, their main returning wide receiver, had a concussion. Uh, he's in concussion protocol all week. Uh, there's been some hints dropped that he is going to be played, maybe upgraded to probable. But as I read two hours ago, Ryan Day said he has a strong week of practice, and everybody left to check the availability report that comes out on Friday. The rushing game, I think, is where we really need to put some focus here. Master Teague, Trey Sermon. 
uh, 101st success rate, yet the run blocking on PFF, this is extremely important. The run blocking for Ohio State graded out eighth, but the running game graded out 101st in success rate. That's on the running backs. Master Teague, just 23 total yards after contact, 1.92 per carry. Trey Sermon, only 26 yards after contact, 2.36 yards after contact per attempt. Comparison, J.K. Dobbins, four yards after contact on 301 attempts last season. Master Teague and Trey Sermon may not have it in them to be J.K. Dobbins, to be Travis Etienne, to be Tank, Tank Bigsby. It's not there. It's not there. So we're talking about Havoc has completely gone off the Ohio State front seven. We're talking about two running backs that are not near as explosive as J.K. Dobbins. Indiana had just two runs over 12 yards uh, on this, on this uh, Penn State defense last week. This Penn State defense can still play. You're right. They lost some stuff on D. But Indiana only had two runs over 12 yards. Over half of Indiana's rush attempts last week were stuffed by Penn State. That's, that's a huge stat. Uh, Justin Fields, this is what shocked me, Stuck. Justin Fields had 15 rushes last week and took three sacks. This is the same Justin Fields that had knee issues, was limited, couldn't get outside the pocket, had all kinds of problems at the end of last year, and he had 15 rushes. You know, I got a little bit of under fatigue from what happened last week and losing almost every single under. That's kind of the way that I look at the total. For me, I didn't dock Penn State any power rating points whatsoever. Kept the game around nine. I bought it at 13. I'd buy it again at 11. I'll probably buy it again live at 14. Yeah, it's worth noting that Penn State linebacker Jesse Lucchetta will be out in the first half mm-hmm. uh, for a targeting call. It's something worth noting. Uh, he was supposed to be someone that Penn State was really relying on this year after some of their losses. But, yeah, I think that Penn State can have – we said this last week. We don't think Penn State was really showing their full deck of cards against Indiana with their new offensive coordinator that they pilfered from Minnesota, uh, Kirk Soraka. So maybe they have some things drawn up early against an Ohio State defense that I think is going to be vulnerable early on. This is basically Penn State's season. If they lose this game, you got an 0-2. It's like, what are, you, what are you doing? You had national title aspirations. So you will get everything that they have. And uh, you will get everything in the playbook. And uh, I fully expect uh, a cleaner game for Penn State. I mean, look, usually this game is like, what, three, four, five, the spread. Ohio State's clearly more talented team. But and I still think maybe it should be seven, eight, nine, but not, not over ten. So I'm rolling with Penn State here. Um, we are. I'm interested to see what the, the decibel level is going to be. Like, with, there's no whiteout, right? And I know in the NFL, in the NFL, they have a max decibel level they can set it at. But I haven't seen anything about that in the NCAA about limiting how much noise you can pipe in. Yeah, I mean, this is still Penn State. It's still you know a program that comes close to the the top three or four programs in the country in recruiting. Like they still are an extremely talented team. I just think it's a good spot to buy them low. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. 
They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Those are the three marquee games of the weekend, but let's move on. Before we go three and out here, let's move on to the best of the rest. We'll go rapid fire here. Uh, I'm just going to pose questions to you. You tell me what you think. Um, Let's start. We'll do one per conference that we haven't hit. Uh, let's start in the AAC. This Cincy defense is for real. What they did to SMU yeah. last week is damn impressive. You also have UCF going a million miles per hour, laying three at Houston. Houston's going to be in my round robin underdog money line. I can tell you that. Uh, thoughts on either of these two games? Yeah, I think I'm looking at Memphis in this. I think Brady White's going to have a quick release time uh, just to avoid the Cincy rush. That's the only way to get ahead of that. He's 71%. When he doesn't have any pressure or any blitz on him, he's a much better quarterback when he, when he, when he doesn't have it. And I think the best way to combat what Cincy does is to get it out of his hands really quick. Uh, the Memphis D struggles with explosiveness. I think if there's one thing that people need to pay attention to here, I, I, I'd like the over in this game. Now, uh, if you haven't noticed, Desmond Ritter is now an explosive runner. He had a 90-yard run. Nobody could catch him. But Cincinnati is now fifth in the country in rush explosiveness, and a lot of that is because of Desmond Ritter. Uh, these two teams have a completely different pace. Uh, you know, Cincinnati wants to keep it slow. But if Cincinnati is up by 10 points, Memphis is going to go extremely fast. If Memphis has the lead, you can expect Cincinnati to pick up the pace. I like the over here. I think Cincinnati has a sneaky, explosive component on the ground. Ritter is more comfortable taking off out of the pocket. I think Brady White's going to be throwing as fast as possible. I like the over here. Yeah, it's a shame with Memphis. They could have been a legit contender. I did just – look, they had – they were the only team in the country, the 4,000-yard passer returning in Brady White, a 1,000-yard rusher in Kenneth Gainwell, and a 1,000-yard receiver in DeMonte Coxie. Well, Coxie and Gainwell both opted out. Um, so, all of a sudden, the offense just isn't as explosive. They still have a really good quarterback. UCF of Houston, by the way, over under yeah. 82 and a half. How many <laughs> plays per game is uh, UCF averaging? Like 100? Are they at 100 yet? Crazy enough, they're only, they're only third. They're only third in the country in seconds per play, but – Listen, there's some things you just never see. If you got the action app, you don't see Colin hitting an over on a total that opens at 76 and a half. I mean, that just doesn't happen very often. And, and you know, it's even gone up since then. But, I mean, I cringe when I hit that. But I just cannot ignore what I'm seeing here. Houston's offense is all pass explosiveness with Clayton Toon. Central Florida is 94th in defending pass explosiveness. Houston's going to score all day. Central Florida's offense – uh, they're 14th in the country in pass explosiveness, and Houston's D is 88. So it's, it's like not as bad, but it's still really bad. Central Florida is going to be able to do the same thing. Central Florida is 90th in the nation in defensive finishing drives. Uh, anytime Houston gets to the 40-yard line, just put six up on the board. Just put six up on the board. I project this game at 79. So I, I think the number is a little out of control, although I still think it flat. I don't see – this is one of those games you can see where those live totals around 110. Uh, I project 79. So if you want to play that angle, wait until somebody punts. Maybe a while. Wait until somebody punts. Target key numbers of 77, 73, and 70 uh, if you want to get an over on this game. 
Um, you could get uh, a turnover in the red zone or something also. Yeah, something, something like crazy could happen. But, man, this total uh, – these two teams are built for 150 points in this game. It's crazy. I, I think this is a true coin flip game. Again, that's my mm-hmm. narrative of the week. So, but plus three. And, and but, but I don't know if I want to take the plus three. I'll throw Houston around, Robin, underdog money parlay. I don't know if I want to take the plus three in a total of 82. Is it three is like uh, – yeah. Does it really matter? And then this is this is your live trading game of the day. Like, just yep. trade this game back and forth. All right, let's move on to the ACC. Uh, you know, you have some boring games here. Uh, we've been over <laughs> Georgia Tech. What the one the most interesting game to me, and I might throw them in a round robin. Um, I'll put them in the app as I did last week. Is Louisville? Louisville's a at BetMGM right now. Is a Three and a half plus three and a half minus one fifteen at BetMGM, uh, over under sixty seven and a half. My question to you is: Have you figured out either one of these two teams? Very difficult teams to figure out. They came in with high expectations, kind of been up and down, kind of had some unlucky losses due to turnovers. Then you had Louisville's offense looked so good. It would, would they have a hundred percent of possible yards through three quarters against Florida State? So, have you figured these two teams out? Because part of me wants to just throw Louisville in a in a round robin here, catch, you know, as a three and a half point home dog. I have figured out what I'm doing financially with Virginia tech for the rest of the season. If you like money, if you like your money, you're not going to play Virginia tech until you find out that they've gotten over all this COVID shit. It is still a problem. Justin Fuentes had an interview. I think it came out this morning. This is Thursday. He admits that he's been calling the game differently on the defensive side of the ball without the least amount of guys in the box as possible. He wants to give up the run to anybody because he wants to protect the deep ball on the pass. They've been so beat up by COVID in the secondary, all four starters have been out. Now, until I see Divine Diablo and other names in the secondary that are in warm-ups that are like 60 minutes before the game and I'm searching Twitter or I have other avenues of beat reporters and like, you know, try to figure out if these guys are doing, doing warm-ups – Virginia Tech is unbettable. They're unplayable. Zero secondary, so the coach compensates by pulling everybody out of the box and is happy with giving up six yards per rush. And then just one day, all these players are going to show back up for the Hokies and poof, they're going to beat the shit out of somebody. Uh, Virginia Tech is an absolute no play for me. I like my money. I I like to bet on constants, Uh, you know, not, not, uh, not wild cards. So, you know. I'm going to look to see if Divine Diablo is on the field for warmups. If he's playing in the secondary, that makes a big difference for Virginia Tech. Let's move on to the Big Ten. Let's keep it going rapid fire. Can we fade Purdue after their win over Iowa? I think this is a tad inflated. I don't, I'm not sure if you do. I make this five. It's, it's Rondo. David Bell is an awesome receiver. Rondo Moore didn't play last week. It's up in the air. Like Apparently, word is he's going to sit out. But maybe not. If he plays this week, he's going to play this year. If not, he's done. Uh, he's sitting out for the NFL draft. Obviously, him and Bell, that receiver, would be very difficult to uh, contain. Illinois' offense last week. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, there's nothing good that you can glean from what they did last week. But uh, yeah, are we getting some value here with the home dog, or is this stay away, or do you actually uh, like your favor? Yeah, I mean, I make it six and a half, so I haven't done anything with the seven. I do love Purdue. I think they're the play on team, but at the same time, there's you know, there's just no value in this number right now. The number's been coming down from where I projected the total to be, uh, and I think really that's because we don't know how many points Illinois is going to put up on the board. Brandon Peters can get any kind of passing attack going. That's not going to be real good against a Purdue team 
that, you know, had a lot of success, passing success, top 20. They didn't allow any explosive passes last week. Uh, but it is Iowa with a new quarterback. But, you know, at the same time – Iowa's talented receivers at least. Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. You know, I just think uh, one game sample set, Jeff Brom's going to be on the sideline. I think that's a boost for Purdue. I really do. Uh, I would not take Illinois under any circumstance, and I'm questionable on whether I'd want to buy Purdue. I do think this may topple over and get to seven and a half, though. So if you're kind of the the kind of person that wants to make a money line parlay, um, you know I do like Purdue here. I just I'm not sure if seven is is how far we want to go with it. And you know if Rondell, I think the six and a half. I'm accounting for Rondell Moore to not be playing. I don't know if this is I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's academics. I don't know. I don't think there's an injury. I mean, Brom in his presser on Monday was just like, I can't comment on it. I can't comment on it. I can't comment on it. I don't think it's COVID. If it's COVID, you can say he's in COVID protocol. But if he's in COVID protocol, why is he in a mask on the sideline? So I don't know what's going on. I wouldn't expect him to play the rest of the year, actually, to tell you the truth. What's this? What is, I'm getting live. I'm getting tweets right now. Is there the Trevor Lawrence rumors true? He's out this week? This is a live breaking news on the podcast. Did it, I mean, did he already defect to the Jets? This is crazy. Live podcast plays. Their backups stink, by the way. Yeah, even though they're five stars. It's a good spot for BC, too. Like, if, if yeah, Clemson's up big, they're probably going to go complete vanilla in the second half. And, and there's a huge drop-off between Trevor Lawrence and Phil Jerkovich time, baby. He is in the running for the Heisman here. I mean, Zach Wilson's doing everything he can for BYU to get as much attention as possible. Well, there you go. All right, we're moving on. <laughs> uh, let's see. Big 12. I have to ask. Everyone's waiting for it. Can we fade Kansas? It's the last day possible of October, maybe ever. It's October 31st, Halloween, laying 28. I want to play it so bad. Kansas is so bad, but I know if I play it, Kansas, after what they did to me last weekend, is going to backdoor this game. It just – or Iowa State's just going to come out so ugly and flat. Ugh. I think I have to eventually take some piece of it. Can we, can we fade Kansas? It's October. There we go. Uh, yeah, we can fake Kansas. No Puka, no play on Kansas for me. So, uh, yeah, keep me keep me signed up with Brocktober as long as it's going on. Conference USA, can we play Western Kentucky and fade BYU? We can play Western Kentucky. Uh, this, I mean, I, I struggled with this, like telling everybody that, you know, you. I, I said this on Sunday night when you and I podcasted. You have my permission to play Western Kentucky. I'm probably going to end up playing it. Uh, there's huge overlook here to Boise on Friday night. Six, you know, they only got six nights to prepare. Jeff Grimes is out here talking about Zach Wilson should be taken seriously for the Heisman. Uh, man, boy, is that going to get inflated, that narrative with Trevor Lawrence sitting out. Uh, there's no word on Gunnar Romney. If he's going to play, he's had a hamstring issue. They may save him for Boise State. But the one strength of Western Kentucky is the pass defense. They're 24th in passing success rate. Western Kentucky ranks 11th in pass coverage on PFF. Now, the rush defense is bottom five with D'Angelo Malone, who won, you know, Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but, you know, they are fantastic in pass coverage, and maybe they can throw up a wrinkle in what Zach Wilson is trying to do. I don't know. It's been tough, you know, trying to get a cover against BYU, but we have had one before with UTSA. Uh, you know, hey, listen, Big Red is making the trip to Provo, all right? If the West Kentucky mascot is going to make it there, I think we should throw some money behind the Hilltoppers, try to get the hook. Western Kentucky actually does have a legit pass defense. How they score any points, I have no clue, but, you know, that – they actually could throw up some resistance to BYU here. All right, fair enough. SEC, Alabama, Mississippi State. Can I take Leach off of a bye? It's 31 and a half, 31. 
I know yeah. Bama doesn't usually cover against these bad teams. They, you know, they'll, they'll start to sit on the ball. You have Waddle that's out. I don't know who the Leach stalls and said who's going to go at quarterback. I hope that it's not Costello and he goes with Rodgers. The Miss State defense has been good. And will Bama play man? They, you know, they play man a lot and their backers have shown some vulnerability in coverage. I'm really tempted to take Leach here. Am I crazy? Uh, maybe. I think Saban's on a mission. I think they're going to do – I think Pete Golding's going to do what every other, everybody else has done is, you know, rush three, drop eight, uh, you know, and limit what Mississippi State is trying to do. I, I think Alabama, you know, from a defensive perspective, they're not really strong in sack rate, so I'm not sure if they can get any pressure. So we'll see what they do here. But uh, it is an awful large spread. But you know what? I tried to – I thought Tennessee was a great spot. Didn't work out. I think Saban's on a mission to cover every single game. I really do. I think that comment to Lane that at least I still cover – I think Saban knows what the number is every week. And, and I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done fading Alabama. If the coach knows it and he says it out loud, I'm not going to try to fade him. Maybe you're right. I might get lured in still by Leach. Sunbelt. Don't let the ladies come between you and the belt. Coastal, are you betting the ATM and the chance? Roll f***ing chance, baby. We love Coastal. We've loved them from the beginning, specifically top 10 in finishing drives on offense, 11th in passing success. Uh, I saw Grayson McCall, the latest Grayson McCall news, that he might, he might be available to play. Uh, his backup did just fine. I mean, there really wasn't a drop-off there whatsoever. So the, the problem is the number just keeps growing. But I feel like this – I hate to compare Coastal Carolina to LSU, but this is an LSU situation where the, we just can't – we just can't keep up with the number. I mean, this is a this is a number that that opened up with Coastal as a dog and flew to minus three. Uh, so you know, I'm not going to fly in the face of Coastal Carolina. They're on a mission this year. Uh, they're going to end their season, I think, in a game with App State. Uh, it could be a undefeated season up to that point. I love Georgia State's uh, defensive backs. Uh, I, you know, they they have tons of pass breakups this year, best in the Sun Belt. Uh, but Coastal can find other ways uh, to beat you. You know, they're they, they're um, very well coached and. You know, they, they, it looks like they have some advantages here. But, uh, yeah, low volume here on, on Coastal. Uh, and then before we go to three and out, we, have to, we can't leave without calling on Arkansas. <laughs> uh, the Hogs. Woo, pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. The Hogs. FNMGM plus 12 and a half. At Texas yeah. A&M, thoughts? Yeah, I, I listen. I love you, Boo Pig Suey. I, I, I banked on Arkansas every single week. It's been a fun ride, but I think it's coming to an end. And you know, I hate to call Ole Miss and Mississippi State gimmicky offenses, but they really are kind of pass happy gimmicky offenses. What Arkansas did against Mississippi State is what they did against Ole Miss. They rushed three. They dropped eight. That's why Arkansas ranks number one in the country against pass explosiveness. And, you know, I just think that that is something that is not going to translate against Texas A&M. That's not Kellen Mond. They're 10th in rushing success rate. They're sixth in passing success rate. But they're below 80th in explosiveness in both rush and pass. Texas A&M's defense is not, you know, this is not Ole Miss. You know, this is not uh, Mississippi State. Uh, this is uh, a Texas A&M defense that is 23rd in rushing success rate, 16th against rush, uh, rushing explosiveness. Arkansas ranks 95th in rush, uh, 68th in passing success rate. The offense is still kind of trying to find their way. 
still 80th in finishing drives. I think really the big thing is is the scheme. The 4-2-5 is going to be a look for Felipe Frank. It's going to be different than what he's seen. This will be the toughest defense they face. And I think Texas A&M is just going to grind the hell out of Arkansas. Uh, I think from a physical standpoint, uh, I mean, it, it, the Arkansas story has been great. But, the, you know, the 4-2-5 is going to be a different look. This is the toughest defense I think that they've faced since Georgia – you know, which they didn't get any points up against Georgia, you know, and, and I think Texas A&M, what they do on offense is highly successful and they just put you in a vice grip and try to choke you out. And, and I think Texas A&M covers here and I don't think it's going to be pretty. So I'd love to back my hogs, but uh, we're going to take a pass this weekend. No woo pig suey this weekend. <laughs> Tennessee coming to town next week. So we'll talk about it then. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, by the way, we mentioned Lane Kiffin. If you haven't seen it on his, he got fined for talking shit on the refs and, uh, I think he, he got fined twenty five thousand. He got fined twenty five thousand dollars. So then he said, he said something like, "Where can I find twenty five thousand pennies?" And then he realized that's twenty five thousand dollars. So then, then he, so then he starred himself and said two hundred fifty thousand. And then someone told him that's not right either. Um, <laughs> and then he corrected himself and then said, "Where it needs two point five million pennies." There's a Ole penny is, shortage in the U.S. Lane. Ole Miss isn't really known for their engineering and mathematics uh, college. Uh, no, I, I didn't think Lane Kiffin really said anything. No, he was right. The SEC already apologized, too. For, they should have reviewed what they said. I, it's such bullshit, man. And, you know, it's my conference. I have to own it. But, man, it's such, it's such bullshit. Yeah. million pennies is ten grand, Lane. Just that's, that's your baseline. All right, before we get out of here, let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. Let's start Friday Night Lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Uh, we have three games on Friday night. We'll have write-ups on all of them. You can check out Eastern Carolina, Tulsa. And Tulsa's 17-point favorite, unless you want to talk about that one. Hawaii at Wyoming. This line's flipping between the ones. Yeah. I actually might look at a first half under here. Sean Chambers is out. You'll have Levi Williams in there. He's played before, and he played last week. Wyoming just has this – and you talk to some of their fans, too – the first half, they just come out and they'll just run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle, and then they'll open it up with more play calls in the second half. Hawaii's running some of the go-go offense stuff in the red zone with this yep. crazy motion and option. They're bringing in that kid that from Jacksonville and the FCS transfer around an option quarterback and running him. If you didn't check out my Mountain West manifesto, I covered some of it there. Um, I like some, maybe some Hawaii first half, maybe some under first half, but – uh, Garrett Crawl from Wyoming still out. The Wyoming defense is just a shell of what we've seen in the past couple of years. You know, just for Hawaii and Wyoming, I think you need to take into consideration if you're going to do like a first half under that Hawaii did not go back to the island. They went to Denver. They tried to work at some facilities, but there was a snowstorm. So I'm not sure they should be well rested, but I'm not sure how much preparation they got done for this Wyoming game. Uh, the go-go offense is – to me, must-see TV, 9.45 p.m. Eastern. Get your eyes on some Hawaii football. This uh, offensive formation is going to be something fun to watch for the rest of the year. As far as Minnesota-Maryland goes, that probably draw the most eyeballs. I will have a write-up on action. It will be out tomorrow morning. I think this thing's going to close around 17. Uh, I don't think Maryland can be any worse on offense, but there are things going on with – Minnesota missing players on the offensive line, six of their front seven, uh, brand-new faces. Uh, I just think – Minnesota is not a team you can trust on the road with 20 points. And you know what? It's Mike Sanford Jr. season. 
Uh, Minnesota is a sell for me. I don't know if Maryland can win the game outright, but it's definitely a game. I project closer to 14. I can't imagine back in Minnesota with this many points, but I think it probably closes much lower, probably at 17. Yeah, I I held my nose. I joined you on 20. I think that's too high. And if you check out the Tulsa East Carolina game, you got to watch their linebacker Collins and that defensive line. Collins, one of the best – Stephen Collins, one of the best linebackers in the country. But something to keep in mind with Laramie, Wyoming home games always have to check the weather. They have one of the best home field advantages in all of college football for multiple reasons. You, so you have to always check the weather. You know, and they're a running team, so it doesn't really impact them. But it's you know, 7,000 feet of elevation there. So you know, teams can get winded easily. You know, that's what they practice in. But you also you generally have heavy winds. I think there might be 15-mile-an-hour winds. Sometimes you could just have a full-blown snowstorm. So keep that in mind tomorrow night and in the future with Laramie. No snow yet there in Wyoming, but we'll see it at some point this year. All right, um, let's move on to second down, and it's our favorite overdog of the week. It's called the overdog parlay. Uh, I'll go – I have a feeling you'll go Mountaineers, Country Road. So uh, I'll I'll be a nice guy and let you have that one. And I'll I'll say October. There's no way I can't bet October the last possible day of October ever. Well, I'll tell you what's on your side is the fact that Kansas seems to take reverse line movement every single week, and then they just, you know, shit the bed. So, I mean, I can't I, – I think Iowa State's the play there too. But, yeah, I'll stick on West Virginia, uh, you know, favorite spot of the week. All right, and now let's move on to third down, our favorite underdog money line parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends – it's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I hit again last week uh, with uh, Indiana on a prayer. So it's been a good year so far. Uh, this is, a, uh, I had a, just so many that I could have possibly chosen from. And I'll let you start. I'm going to go big. I'm going to go with Air Force. And I love Air Force. <laughs> I love Air Force for a large number of reasons. Uh, Boise does have overlooked to BYU. That's on Friday night next week. Uh they were graded 62nd by PFF in tackling in their opener. Specifically, their edge rusher, Dimitri Washington, he had four missed tackles. That is not good for an edge rusher against a triple option of Air Force, who, whose offense right now is ranked ninth in PFF and run blocking. So I understand that there was some serious scoring issues against San Jose State. Uh, but, you know, for Boise's offense, they didn't have any rush explosiveness. They didn't have any success in the passing game. Uh, the Air Force D has been great in two games uh, at defending things in the ground. So, you know, Boise, they graded out at 72nd special teams after just one game. Pace-wise, Air Force is 95th and Boise 67th. These, these guys are not going fast whatsoever. Pretty large point spread for a triple option. They could take nine minutes off of the board. Uh, so I love Air Force at 14. The spot, because Boise's got BYU on Friday night, you got to play some money line on this one. All right. Well, we you don't even want to acknowledge it. You don't even want to acknowledge it, then, right? You don't even want to acknowledge Yo, double it. Double-digit service academy. I don't hate it. I'll never hate it. I just would say what Air Force did against San Jose State's defense is scary. scary. It's a new week. I, I'm going with uh, – I'll go with a shorter one here. Uh, hopefully get us a win, and then we can try to free roll yours. Uh, I'm going with the Cougs. We have short money line. They're catching three at home. I think they win this game. I think it's a coin flip game. UCF has major issues on defense. This is outrageous that it's not on TV. It's on ESPN Plus. I got to stream this. Bring your fireworks for this game. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Arkansas State, to my guys that I uh, was going to jack off Arkansas. Yes, I'm betting Arkansas State minus two and a half. I don't care. <laughs> Jay Adams. 
the most electrifying player in college football. Guess who? Jonathan Adams. That is an unbelievable catch. That is like OBJ. Quarter this time. Oh, Adams! What a play! You would have thought he was LeBron James posting up. Stop it. This is not real. This kid is amazing. We won't get a stop. And uh, Gunnar Watson, the choice quarterback, might be out. I don't know yet. But, uh, all right, that'll do it for us. Let's make some money this weekend. Thanks, Colin, for joining me as always. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget about the voicemails. Go to my Twitter, at Stucky2. Find the voicemail number. Blow us up all weekend. Rate, review, subscribe. Leave a, a review. It really helps us on both the Action Network podcast and the Action Network app. We'll be back on Monday morning with a recap of the weekend, and we'll be talking some action, baby. Akron, undefeated season. Where is it? And uh, let's uh, have a great weekend. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking. <laughs>